Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, come on. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Can we give Jesus a hand clap for being with us this morning? You know, it's one thing when you honor God with your time, he seems to honor you with his presence. And there's something so attractive to God when his children, his kids come together and just from a heart that says, I just want to worship you. I want to honor you. I want to know you. Man, that just attracts the love of the Father. But how many know if you just kind of walk in from a religious perspective and kind of skeptical critics, sit back, whatever, God's saying, hey, I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk with you, my child. Can you imagine having your son or daughter walk in and just kind of be like this and not actually like pay attention to you? Sometimes I think we could accidentally fall into that category when we come into an atmosphere of worship. And I know there's a lot going on and maybe there's some songs that we don't always know, but I just want to encourage you. Every time we gather, we want to lean into the presence of God. We're in uh, day, I think today's day 14 of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. How y'all feeling? Are you feeling good? Some of you are looking a little bit thinner. You're probably feeling a little bit sharper, right? You, you, braved, you braved the cold weather elements. I tell you what, you never get so cold in Orange County as when you fast and then the temperature drops below 60 degrees. It's like, turn on the heat, get me another blanket, you know? You just want to be there. If you're new to Authentic and I've not met you yet, my name is Jeff. My lovely wife was just up here. Uh, we're honored to be the founding lead pastors of Authentic Church, and Authentic Church is a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. Everything we do is based on the Bible. Even the worship is based on the Bible. And yesterday, I watched uh, an incredible game in the playoffs, the 49ers in uh, the Green Bay Packers, and I tell you what, when one of their teams scored a touchdown Guess what? Everybody's hands went up in the air. They were screaming and hollering. But then we come into a church environment and you were like, oh man, that kind of feels weird. Do you think God wants you to feel weird doing something like that? No. Do you think the devil wants you to feel weird doing something like that? Yes, absolutely. Why would I give my praise in my worship to a bunch of kids who don't know my name running around chasing a thing of leather on a field and not give my praise and honor and glory to the God who created me? Amen. So it's biblically based that we lift our hands in worship, that we shout unto God with a voice of triumph, that we clap, that we sing. That's all biblically based. So we are a Bible based. We're spirit empowered, man. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven and took his place at the right hand of the Father, and that's where he's at. When Jesus, I know we all feel he's in our hearts, and I know, I know what you mean, he's in your heart, yeah, but he's really seated at the right hand of the Father. When Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit was released to take his place in the lives of the believers. And there's something about leaning in to the presence of God and receiving his Holy Spirit. And so we're spirit-empowered, and we're presence-driven. We are not a church that's built on personalities. I hope you like mine, but if you don't, that's okay. We're not building the church around Jeff or Fawn. We're building it around the presence of God. Amen? And so our vision at this church, you heard my wife say it earlier, our vision is that every time we gather, that this would be a place where you would encounter God. 
that if you don't have community, man, you'd find community in this place. You'd, you'd show up on Sunday and be like, this is my tribe. Anybody feel that way? I've, I feel like, man, this is my tribe. These are my people. You know, that's how I say it. These are my people. I, fa- I found people that are running after God the way that my heart wants to run after God. And that you would, dis- and you would fulfill God's call on your life. There's something special on you. Not just somebody that's holding a microphone. That, that's like scratching. It's, it's, it's on you. There's gold inside of you. And it's my job as a pastor. I'm a bit of a treasure hunter. <laughs> I love seeing the gold rise up out of people. So if you're new in this place, we want to welcome you. We'd love to connect with you after service, get to know you a little bit. Uh, the, the word of the Lord for our church for 2024 that we felt like God gave us prophetically to steward as a family of God is the word increase. We believe this is going to be a year of increase. And there was five key areas that we feel like God is calling us to reach for and to steward in this year. And those areas are that we would grow and increase in our daily personal encounters. Everybody say, no days off. That's right. We're seeking God every single day. And if your daily encounter is 10 minutes or an hour, I don't care. That's between you and God. But the point is that every day that you would have a moment where you encounter him, we don't just read the word and walk away and forget what, what, what we read, right? Like the man that looks at a mirror and walks away and forgets what his face looked like. No, no. We read into the word of God. We let the word of God read into our lives and we are changed and transformed. So we want to see an increase in our daily personal encounters. And then the second one is our corporate encounters. That's what we're doing here. We wanna see an increase of a move of God in our corporate encounters where people are encountering God, that they're finding new life in Christ, that those that were walking in blindness, suddenly the veils lifted off the eyes of their hearts and they're like, wow, I encountered God in this place. How many of you encountered God in a place like this, amen? There's something special about coming to the house of God. You know, Simeon and Anna, they're, they're there when Jesus comes to, is brought by his parents to get dedicated at the temple. They just happened to be there on that day when Jesus was brought in. Sometimes you just happen to be here in proximity of what's going on and Jesus is gonna show up in your life. Now the fourth area or the third area was labor, laborers and leaders. Hello, laborers and leaders. And we believe that there's gonna be an increase of leaders. And some of you leaders, I know we're meeting together. Some of you leaders, you're gonna see growth in your lives. And we believe that the harvest is ripe and that the Lord's encouraging the laborers, encouraging the leaders. Those that have been sitting on the proverbial benches of the church, the big C, I believe God's tapping them on the shoulder and saying, all right, it's time to get in the game, son. It's time to get in the game, daughter. So we're gonna see leaders and we're gonna see reaching the lost in greater measure, that people are walking around and they do not know Jesus. Jesus came that they would have life. The devil came that he would steal, kill, and destroy their lives. Jesus wants to give them life and life abundantly and we feel that it's our mandate as Christians that have had an encounter with God now to walk out of here changed and go and give that light to somebody else, amen? So we wanna reach the lost. And the fifth area is we're believing for an increase of supernatural resources. I'm talking the kind of resources where you go, man, when that falls into our hands, that couldn't be but God. Where, where, where you see an increase in maybe your job or there's testimony, like a few years ago, we had people that were buying houses left and right. And it's like people having babies left and right in the church. Like there would be an increase of tangible resources that God would bless you with and bless our church family with. So we're believing for resources. And as we get started today, I have a question for you. And my question is this. Have you ever been in a season where you prayed 
and you feel like it was just missing the mark? Am I the only one that's ever been in a season like that? Have you ever been in a season where it's like, I'm praying, but I'm not seeing anything happen. I'm, I, I, I feel like there's something missing. There's, there, there's, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but I, I just feel like something's off, something's wrong. I, I can't put my, I don't know exactly know what it is, but I'm actually not really seeing what I thought I'd see when I pray. Now, sometimes... When that happens, it's God holding you back because if he doesn't deal with something in your life, the blessing that you're praying for could actually ruin your life. There's plenty of examples of that. But other times, a lot of times when we're praying, a lot of times it's something in our lives that God wants to course correct and the disciples had a situation like that as well. They had a season where they were, they were praying and man, they saw miracles and then they walked into a season and it's like, like there's no bullets in my gun. Like they just feel like there's, where'd the power go? Where's the power go? And Jesus has a moment with them and he gives them two things, specific things that they can do in the physical that leads to supernatural. And I wanna unpack those to you. I believe if we incorporate these two things into our lives in 2024, that we're gonna see breakthrough like never before. Does anybody else wanna see breakthrough in an area of life, a family member, a friend, a healing, a job situation, a relationship situation? Does anybody wanna see? Come on. So we're gonna lean into the word of God today and we're gonna have Jesus unpack that this morning for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. It's life to us. Jesus, I pray you'd meet with us today. Nobody came to hear a man speak. We all came to hear you speak. And so, Lord, I'm asking, would you speak to every one of us in this room? God, as your messenger today, I pray you'd just remove any aspect of me or preparation or pride in my heart. Lord, it would just be you speaking. I pray you'd breathe Breathe on this moment, breathe on the text, breathe on this word. Holy Spirit, that you would move throughout this entire room, that you have a a word for every single person here. God, that we'd be hearers of your word today. I pray you'd touch, touch our minds to be able to understand and see something in the text that we've never seen before. I pray, Father, for hearts to believe you at your word. I thank you, God, that you're so good. You are so good that you meet us right where you're at, where we're at. And so, Lord, I thank you for meeting your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 17? Matthew chapter 17. Brighton, could you hand me my Bible right there, kiddo? Thank you so much. Matthew chapter 17. So Jesus has been walking with his disciples for a few years now when this happens. And there's something pretty particular that happens in Matthew 17. And the disciples, like I said earlier, they found themselves in a time where they were, they were in a season where they were seeing a move of God. They were seeing God heal people through them. They would, they would lay hands on the sick and the sick would get well. They would cast demons out. They would walk, they went two by two, and they went through all these different towns, but then something happens in Matthew 17 where it seems like the power's unplugged. 
Any, anybody ever plugged in your cell phone and you thought it was charging, but like the light switch was off and you come back like an hour later getting ready to leave and you're like getting ready to walk out the door and you're like, I have no battery. Like what the heck happened, you know? Or worse, one of your kids unplug your phone because they were plugging something else in. I won't point any fingers in the front row. Actually, it's very rare that that happens, but... They just feel like, man, something, something's off. That's where they had. So we're going to jump into Matthew 17, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus said. So here's, here's this, this dad. Can you see the desperation? Like he's, he's saying a, a, a demonic spirit takes hold of my son. He has a seizure and, and that demon tries to throw him into a fire and kill him or throw him into water and drown him. And the dad's desperate. I've, I've done all that I know how to do. He's probably taken his son to a million doctors and there's no answer. That is painful as a parent. That's painful as a person. It's frustrating. And a lot of us, we could see a problem of something going on in our lives and we've run to this counselor and to that medication and to this doctor and that and Jesus is showing up today and he says, I wanna heal you. I actually wanna heal you and I wanna, I wanna heal you in areas that medicine can never get to. That's what Jesus wants to do in this moment. So the guy brings him to the disciples and nothing happens. So Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. I want you to remember those two words, unbelieving and perverse generation. That's kind of harsh, <laughs> right? To his disciples. How long shall I stay with you? It's like the dad that's just lost it. Oh, how long should I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they bring the boy to him. And then what happens, verse 18, Jesus rebukes the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed in that moment. Healed in that moment. There, there, there's a moment where Jesus wants to heal you. There's some things that are a process, but man, there's the healing that's a moment. I'm believing for a healing in a moment this morning. I want you to write two words down that Jesus said that we're gonna kind of camp out on here for a second. Two words. What were the two things that he said to the disciples? You are unbelieving and perverse. Write those down, unbelieving and perverse. So why were the disciples ineffective? Again, Matthew 10, just a few chapters before this, they're going two by two, they're casting out demons, they're healing the sick, raise the dead, all that, you know that, you know the, the, the job description, the command Jesus gave him when he commissioned him and sent out. Jesus said, I saw Satan, man, he felt like lightning from heaven. So they walk in that power and then some, here they are in 17 and they're called unbelieving and perverse. It's like, man, that's like not a crowd pleaser message, Jesus. That's kind of uncomfortable if Jesus walks up to you and says, you're unbelieving and you're perverted. <laughs> you know, kind of freak you out, kind of rub you wrong. Jesus didn't mince words. So unbelieving, let me give you a definition for that. Unbelieving is they were not connected enough to God. They weren't connected enough to God. And there was unbelief that got in their hearts. Somehow, some way, there was an un, there was a there was a spirit of unbelief. There were, there were there was something in the disconnection that led them not to fully believe that this could happen for this man and for his son. Unbelieving, and then perverse. Let me give you a definition to that. 
They were just too connected to the world. So in one sense, they're disconnected from God, and then they're just too connected to the world. Rhetorical question, nobody needs to answer or flood the altar right now. (laughs) Is there any area of your life where you feel too connected to the world? If you were honest with yourself, man, I'm just, I'm a little too connected to the world. Could it be that because you're too connected to the world in an area of your life, you're actually disconnecting yourself from God? God wants to be connected with you. He wants to be close with you. But maybe you've pushed away and you've disconnected yourself from your power source. Is there any area of your life where you're disconnected from God? And that's between you and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, not, that's, that's not my job. I could go through a list of sins and different things and cleanse yourselves and blah, blah, blah. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. Is there anything in your life where you feel, if you're honest, and the Holy Spirit, if you just allow him to speak to you in this moment, is there any area where you're just too connected to the world and you're disconnected from God? Wouldn't it be good to be more connected to God I want to be more connected. And I tell you what, it happens to me. We just came out of December, which I love December. I love Christmas time. I want to decorate for Christmas like November 1st. My family pushes back on that. But I, I'm, I'm kind of that guy. I'm like, get the lights up, get the tree up, get the fun, get the radio going, all that kind of stuff. I love all the meals, the charcuterie boards. It's fun. We're hanging out. We're in Christmas PJs. My girls are wanting to watch Hallmark Christmas everything. And so we do that as a family and we watch movies. But I don't know about you. But man, I can get a little gluttonous in the Christmas season. I can just do stuff that feeds my soul. And and I get excited about the presents that are all for me. I'm I'm actually that guy that buys his own presents. You know, like I did. And and, and Fawn wrapped them up under the tree. She said, that's what you want? Okay, that's what you want, you know? Because I know what I want. I'm very particular, which is kind of a control thing. I'm not, nobody else can, you know, probably... uh, connect with me on that, but some of us are control people and we like to buy our own presents. I get it, I get it. So, so then, so all this happens with the disciples and Jesus and he says, you're unbelieving and you're perverse. You're too, you're too connected to the world and you, you've disconnected from God. Is there any area of your life? And it's the small areas. Jesus said the little foxes, they spoil the whole vine. Is there a little fox? Is there a little thing? Again, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. What, what is that thing? Lean into that. So the disciples, they, they question Jesus. They're kind of like, you know, kind of taken back. He just called us unbelievers and perverted. Oh, I feel insecure. We've been following him for years. And now he's telling me this, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so when they go away, it says in verse 19 that the disciples came to Jesus in private. Why in private? Because they're embarrassed. Because <laughs> they don't want the sermon to be about them. Ever come to church and it just feels like, oh my God, the preacher's talking about me. Everything he's saying is me. Oh my, I don't want to go up front because if I go up front, everybody's going to think that I... Uh, right. That's how they felt. So they go to Jesus in private. And they ask him, all right, Jesus, tell us, why couldn't we drive it out? Like What happened? And he tells him, he says, because you've got little faith. Little faith? I mean, these guys were just like setting the world on fire, going out, 
Confident, two by two, super evangelist. You need healing, pow, I got healing. You need deliverance, boom, you're delivered. Like they're walking around to the towns and they're doing all these different things and they come back and a few chapters later, suddenly it's like no bullets in the gun. Like they out. What happened? He says, you have little faith. Little faith. I mean, I don't know about you, but when you, when you, when you come out of a moment where you see God just flow through you in power, it's humbling, it's joyful, it's exciting, and there's a level of confidence that comes. But something happened where their confidence goes down. He goes, yeah, you, you, you have little faith. And then he goes, I tell you the truth. If you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Maybe there's a mountain in your life. Maybe it's a situation financially and it just feels like this mountain. I keep coming up against it. Maybe it's an area in, in relationship where it feels like, man, I just feel like I get my hopes up and I get let down over and over again. What is that thing? Jesus said, if, if you had faith, you could speak to that mountain, it would move. All right, I want it to move, Jesus. What do we do? He says, nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind, he makes a statement in verse 21. He says, but this kind does not go out except by, everybody say, prayer and fasting. Let's say it again. Prayer and fasting. This kind doesn't know what. So he gives them two reasons why they're not seeing deliverance for this boy. Two reasons why their prayers were ineffective. You're unbelieving and you're perverse. But then he counters that and he gives them the solution. He gives them two keys to that. He says, prayer and fasting. Number one, what does prayer do? Prayer connects us to God. So when we pray, when we worship, it connects us to God, right? That's vertical. Prayer connects us to God. So when we're spending time prayer, we're getting more connected with God. And there's a confidence that comes. There's that, that faith that rises. It doesn't just happen like it's times of prayer. It's times where I know my father. So when I hit a storm in life, when I hit a hiccup financially or the loss of a job, it stings, it's hard, it's confusing, it's challenging, sure. But then I go back and I spend time with my father and he reminds me he's my father. And I can trust him because I spend time with him. So then my confidence in who he is and the power that he has, because I've spent time with him, now I got the confidence back. God wants to get your confidence back. It's like that Holy Spirit swagger. Some people just got that swagger. He wants you to get that Holy Spirit swagger back where you know, <laughs> job, in Jesus' name, I'm calling in that job. Health, what? In Jesus' name, we're gonna see our neighbors healed. It, what? No, I'm, I'm gonna, because you got your confidence back. How do you get your confidence back? Spend time with your dad. If you put your confidence in yourself, you're gonna be disappointed over and over and over again. And in Western culture, what do we do? We put a lot of confidence in how smart we are and how good we look. But our real confidence, our real strength is found in God. Uh, growing up, I was a competitive soccer player like my buddy Min back here. And um, I'm, not, I'm not that big of a guy, but um, back then I was 
bigger than other kids. <laughs> so, sometimes, you know, it's like basketball. If, you're the, if you, you happen to be 5'4", but everybody else on the team is 5 foot, you know, they're like, you're playing center, right? You know, so like there was an aspect where I was just kind of one of the bigger kids. And so they always put me on the best player. And the first thing that I do when that player would walk out on the field and he got the ball, I laid him out. Like it was, it was just a, it was kind of a, a hooligan strategy. You can look down on me right now and whatever. But when he got the ball, I wanted him to know I'm going to be on you all day long and I'm not going to let you get an inch, brother. And so I would just lay him out. I didn't even care if I got fouled. I was just like, bro, welcome. Welcome to the field. And I kind of, I was, I was at a short temper, very short. <laughs> the Lord has really healed me on. So like there was a season where I had so many red cards that the state of Washington was gonna revoke my ability to play soccer again in the state until after I was 18. I had to go to soccer court. My mom was so embarrassed. Oh my goodness, my mom was in tears. I'd get kicked off the field and I'd be like this madman out there fighting like the whole other soccer team. And my team's just watching like Jeff is crazy, <laughs> you know. I'm like, thanks for the help, guys. You know, like, I got a bloody nose now because you guys didn't hop in. Like, it was horrible. It was ugly, right? But then Jesus. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Thank you for the blood of Jesus. My wife's in here. She's like, I hope our kids are not listening. No, yeah, they are. They're all in the front row. They're all in the front row. They know. They know. And when you're playing on a team, there's an aspect, any of you team players, the more you play with that team, the more confidence you have in that team. So as our team grew together, and we were state champs and all the other things, but one of the reasons we did so good is because we played together for so long. So they knew when I walked out on the field, they're like, Jeff's gonna get that guy. I don't have to worry about them. That freed them up to focus on that guy. I knew when I passed it to so-and-so that they are so good at dribbling and dispersing the ball that if they're in the center of the field and they are somewhat open, like, man, they're gonna juke around those guys. They're gonna get it to somebody that could potentially score because our wing is crazy fast. Like, we knew each other. We knew our strengths. We knew our weaknesses, etc., because we spent time together. There is a confidence that you can have in God when you spend time with him. Well, I don't understand what's happening right now, but I think I can take confidence in knowing that you're good and you're going to help me through it. And the more you spend with him, the more confident you'll have, you'll have, the more confidence you'll have. And even in the storms of life, you find yourself rocking in the boat Jesus never promised you're gonna have this life that's free of storms. No, he just said, if you do have a storm that comes, I'm gonna be with you, and you're gonna make it, and you're gonna grow from it. All of us probably in here could say, when you look back on your life, there's some stuff that happened to you that was really hard. But then you look and you go, but man, I see how God worked it together, actually for my good. E even relationships that have betrayed you, God can work it together for good. I wish there was another way to be more like Jesus, but I find it usually happens when you get crushed. When something in your life gets crushed, you become more like Christ. It's a different message we'll jump into later on this year. Prayer isn't just about putting in the hours. I wanna let you know that as well. It's not about just putting in the hours. It's, it's not just like, I'm, I'm just gonna have an hour with God and walk away. No, it's, it's, he's, he's quality time for you five love language people. <laughs> he's quality time. That's why I don't care if it's 10 minutes or an hour, but that we're setting aside, having that daily encounter, your confidence rises. When you spend time with the God of the impossible, you begin to have faith that nothing is impossible. Isn't that so true? 
You can, you can hit a wall and it feels like the world is just coming against you. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this season. I don't know how we're gonna pay for this. I don't know how we're gonna survive in the health and blah, blah. You can have a season like that, but man, when you spend time with God, suddenly there's a moment in your prayer time. And I always, I always pray until I, I hit the shift. There's like a, a shifting that happens. For me, it's usually about 15 to 20 minutes in. I'm praying in tongues usually. That's kind of how I start my day. I'm praying in the spirit. And then about 15 to 20 minutes into my prayer walk is like, and then suddenly it's like, I'm 10, I feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You got that Holy Spirit swagger where suddenly you feel like, man, I have the mind of Christ. I, 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 there, faith is not a feeling, but I feel faith. I'm confident that God is gonna work this out and you spend time with the God of the impossible, then you'll have faith. Nothing is impossible. And if you walked in this room and you feel like, man, I need the God of impossible to show up in my life, this message is for you. And at the end of the service today, like we do every single Sunday, we're gonna have a time of prayer. And our prayer team, we would love to come into agreement with you and pray for the God of the impossible to show up and do what only he can do in that situation, amen? So prayer connects us to God, and the second thing is fasting. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And by the way, fasting, I think it's great. People are like, I'm gonna fast social media. Do that, that's awesome. Fasting in the Bible, biblical fasting, was always connected to your gut. It was always connected to something that you were feeding your body. It was connected to food. And so there's a, there's a spiritual element that happens when we fast. And I wanna encourage us as a church on this last week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm so proud of you. So many of you, you'd never fasted before. This is the first one you've ever gone on. I was talking to one of the brothers this morning and he was sharing with me about what God has been doing in his life and how he's fasting and, and seeking God. And there's something so special when you honor God like that. I, I want to encourage you, expect results. Expect results. God honors that. And fasting is not like just starving your body. Like that's a, that's a whole world thing, right? Fast and starve your body and the fasting craze and weight loss and blah, blah, blah. And, and it, it bothers me that the church, the big C, a lot of them know about principles of prayer, but a lot of them don't know about principles of fasting. That fasting is like Jesus is saying, it's like the secret key to breakthrough in different areas of your life. There's something supernatural that happens when you fast. The simplest definition of fasting is disconnecting from the things that have gotten into my life that have led me towards the world rather than connecting to God. So, like all of us, I have seasons where I look at my life and I'm like, Lord, search me. This morning in my prayer time, God, search me. Is there any way that offends you? Is there any way in my life where I'm unbelieving? I, I, is there any, any area in my life where I've gotten too connected to the world? And then I fast and pray and seek God and that connection is regained. I wanna encourage you this week, 
even if you're here and you're like, I haven't been part of the 21 days of fasting, Jeff. That sounded cool, but that sounded like a lot of work. Uh, I'm working all the time. I'm working out all the time. I'm doing all these different things. I want to encourage you. What could your year look like if you took this week, this last week of our 21 days in prayer and fasting, and actually fasted? What you fast, how you fast, that's between you and God. But what would it look like if you actually really pressed into God? I'm telling you, you're gonna see a change. The more that you're connected to the world, the more connected you are to the things of the world, the less dominion that you'll take as a believer. Let me say it this way. What dominion are you giving up spiritually to feed yourself physically? Adam and Eve lost dominion because they fed their appetite. Think about that. They had dominion. They're in the garden. They coughed it up because they wanted to feed something in their appetite that God said, I don't want you to feed that. I don't want you to eat of that tree. Is there anything where you've coughed up your dominion spiritually because you fed yourself somewhat physically? So fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us to God. Let me give you the biblical basis for fasting and then we're gonna land the plane here. So let me give you the biblical definition. So Matthew chapter nine, I'm gonna go through a few of these scriptures quickly. If you're taking notes, you can just write down the scripture reference. I always find it when I'm taking notes for you note takers, write down the, the numeric address and then write down the book address. So like for instance, like when I just rattled off Matthew 9, 14 through 15, just write 9, 14 through 15 and then you'll, you'll remember that it's Matthew once by the time you write down 15. Does that make sense? That's just a little, for you note takers, that's gonna change your life. Matthew 9, 14 through 15, John's disciples came and they asked him, how is it that the Pharisees fast often? But you, your disciples, they don't fast. And Jesus answered them. He said, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And then they will what, church? Fast. Then they will what? Fast. So Jesus is, in, in other words, he's saying, I'm with them right now, but I'm gonna go away. And there's a, there's a spiritual discipline that I want my church to follow. And that is that when I go away, they're gonna fast. Let me show you how this plays out. Acts chapter 13, the church is born. They're going on. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So they're worshiping and they're fasting. They're worshiping and they're fasting. And as they're worshiping and as they're fasting, so they're disconnecting from the world, they're connecting with God, the Holy Spirit speaks. If you need the Holy Spirit to speak to you, if you're like, I need a word from God, fast. I'm telling you, there's something special about it. When you fast, God will remove things out of your life and fill your life with him. So after they fasted, verse three, after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So in other words, they were fasting and worshiping and the Holy Spirit says, hey, separate out Nicole and Jason. It's like, okay, and what did they do? They fasted and prayed some more. So it, does, it didn't just stop when they got the word. They fasted and prayed some more. The point is this. The New Testament church was bathed in fasting and prayer and worship. And they saw miracles. Maybe, just putting it out there, maybe if we did what they did in the Bible, 
we would see the results that they saw in the Bible. Maybe if we as believers prayed, worshiped, and fasted, that we might actually see breakthrough and healings and demons come out and the dead would rise and those that are sick in the body would be miraculously healed. Maybe we could see that if we just did what they did in the Bible. It's, it's a simple playbook. It's sitting out there. Why don't we want to do it? Because nobody likes to fast. There's very few times that I've gone into it going, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I'm excited about the results. I'm not always excited about saying no to that amazing charcuterie board that I'm gonna have for Super Bowl weekend. I already got my menu going for Super Bowl weekend. Don't even get me started there. I don't wanna cause you to sin and trip you up. Paul endorsed fasting. Paul endorsed fasting in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. He said, in weariness and in toil, sleep often, hunger, thirst, in fastings often. He's kind of sharing all these different things that have gone on in his life and he shares, I fasted often. And remember, what, the, what was the problem? The problem that Jesus said, you're too connected to the world and you're not connected enough with me. We have a connection problem. We are a triune being. We need to be reminded of that. We're a triune being. We are spirit, soul, and body. Your body connects us to ourselves. The body is kind of like your indicator lights on your dash. When something's going on in your body, that's an indicator light like something's wrong. Listen to me. Your body does this. Body connects us to ourselves. Our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, our, our soul helps us to connect with others. You look at all the different things that God created. A tree, a tree is just a body. That's it. You knock on a tree, you talk to a tree, you kick a tree, okay? It's, it's just a body. It's got no soul. Sorry to wreck that for you if you're, if you're the soul guy that thinks trees have souls. They don't. Animals, they have souls. It pains me, but even cats have a soul, okay? Hey. <laughs> right? They're happy, they're excited, tail wags. They did something wrong, you know, tail down, they go run and hide, right? They have a soul. But you, you, he gave you a spirit. He gave you a spirit. Your spirit, our spirit connects us to God. And what happens when you fast is that instead of in this order, you're in that order. Your spirit man takes first place and then your thoughts change. You begin to think thoughts that he has for you, not what your family lineage might be, curses that have been spoken for you, failures you've encountered. Suddenly you see yourself seated in heavenly places and your father, your dad begins to father you. And then the beautiful thing that happens is he puts his finger on some areas of your life and he said, these areas that you're doing in your body, these things that you're dealing with, those are indicator lights that there's a, there's a deeper problem. There's a deeper thing. And I wanna heal the deeper thing. And I believe he wants to do that this morning. I feel the spirit of God in this place. I believe he wants to heal the deeper things. So let me give you some practical steps, okay? So if you haven't been fasting, or you've maybe started and kind of fell off the bandwagon, you're gonna jump back on today, okay? <laughs> Let me give you some practical steps. Number one, set an objective, set a target. What are you fasting for? 
what are you fasting for? This week, we're gonna text you via our text stream. Every single day, you're gonna get a scripture and then a focus for what we're asking us as a church family to focus in prayer for. And we're gonna pray together. So you're gonna do that. But I want you to set an objective. I want you to expect results. The second one, decide what you're gonna fast. Some of you, you're like, I'm, I, I was talking to a brother this morning and he's like, man, I, I fasted all solids and I just did water. I did that for four days. And then, then he did some soups and some different things. What you fast, that's between you and God. I've had seasons where I went on extended fasts. I've done a few 40-day fasts in my life and I had to monitor my health closely when I went through that. I wanna encourage you, if you do something drastic like that, serious like that, I want you to make sure you take care of yourself. But there's, you decide what you're going to fast. You're gonna fast solids, you're gonna fast sugars, that would not be a bad thing, okay? Maybe, maybe you're just gonna do soups. Maybe you're gonna do a Daniel fast. That's between you and the Lord. You, you think about that. You fast, what's that thing? Again, remember, we're spending this time to reconnect with God and disconnect from the world. And then the third area, I want you to expect results. Why expect results? Because God wants you to expect results. How can you say that? He wrote a whole chapter in the Bible, in Isaiah 56, or 58, excuse me. It's the fasting chapter. I'm gonna read you verse six. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break the yoke. This is God speaking. He, he, wants, to, he wants to loosen God, the chains that have gotten around your neck. He wants to loosen those things. The cord that's holding you back from living the life he's called you to, he wants to snip that, man. He wants to break that stuff off of you. But you're not a puppet. You're not a robot. He wants to co-labor with you, but you gotta invite him into that space, so fast. And then in verse 58, eight through nine, there's three thens that God says is gonna happen when you fast. He said, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Come on, quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So you get healing, you get holiness. Holiness is right standing with God. I'm not perfect, but I'm in right standing with God. Then you will call, and here's the best part, and the Lord will answer. Like that's a promise in scripture. The Lord will answer. Now some of his answers are no. Some of his answers are no. I don't want that for you. And some of his answers are just not yet. That's a yes, but you're not ready yet. I'm gonna work this out. You're gonna see my hand. So you get healing, holiness, and help. Wouldn't you like the help of the Lord this year? <laughs> Does anybody else need the help of the Lord in their lives in 2024? Come on. I need the help of the Lord. It goes back to encountering God through prayer and through fasting to get your life connected with him. Just wanna ask us to go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads as we close today. And you and the Holy Spirit, this is you and your moment with God. Is there any area of your life where you're too connected to the world? Any area of your life where you're like, man, the whole time you've been speaking, this keeps coming up in my mind. What is it? What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking to you because he wants to remove that area so that your spirit can be greater connected that your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions would hear, feel, think the things of God 
And he's gonna call you to carry out those things in your body. What, what is it that's disconnecting you? And I wanna encourage you as your pastor, as your friend, to follow whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do with that area. And I wanna encourage you to fast for breakthrough this week. Fast for breakthrough this week. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.